This week on the podcast, what do you get when you cross Shadow of the Colossus with The Legend of Zelda? Maybe Pandora's Tower? As we play Pandora's Tower for the podcast this week. Chris, how are you doing? Oh, swell, Michael. How are you? You are tuned into It's So Bad, the podcast where we are ranking every video game. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. Follow us on the Twitter, It's So Bad Pod, at It's So Bad Pod, at, at, at uh, the, the Twitter. It's a bad pod at gmail.com is the email address. We are adding this week, I don't even have it open, the game Pandora's Tower. To the endless list of video games, which currently goes from Super Mario 64 all the way down to number 130, 32, uh, Home Alone for the Sega Genesis. And yes, Pandora's Tower. This is a Wii game. Chris, why'd you make me play this game? Well, again, it's the year of the Wii on this podcast. It's our third Wii game. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That makes it the year of the Wii. Yeah, this yeah. is a uh, no. This know. is, I think, our fourth Wii game this year. We did. We've, we've only done Wii games this year, and we did. Um, let's see here: NBA Two K Thirteen, Mad World, and Muramasa the Demon Blade. Right. I always forget that like that's a Wii game and not like a GameCube game. But uh, right. Yeah, right, this right. was uh, you know, just another another game that I played for the first time uh, during during the uh, the the. Wonderful living situation we've been living in for the past uh, year and a half, and uh, <laughs> as I've been going down this rabbit hole of random Wii games, this is one that uh, kept coming up as a hidden gem, and uh, it's an expensive hidden gem, but uh, I was able to find it one day for a good price, and uh, so I snagged it, and here we are now, and I think it's got a little interesting backstory. And uh, So what is this game? Well, it was kind of like we were saying off, uh, kind of like off the coming off the intro. It is kind of like a mix of a dungeon crawler, like like a Zelda game to a degree, with kind of like very <laughs> heavily inspired Shadow of the Colossus uh, kind of story beats in boss battles, uh, in the yeah. sense that like the bosses are 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 kind of puzzles and they are much larger in scale than you and uh, being reliant on the game's gimmick. And the game's gimmick is uh, that um, you have a chain for a weapon that uh, pretty much exclusively uses like the Wii motion controls, and uh, you can do a whole variety of attacks and moves and, and pulling switches and, and levers and all that good stuff with the chain. And, and you can also no, attack no. things, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. For, yeah. And... Uh, and it's also a part dating sim because your girlfriend, who you have to feed a gross monster flesh to, to stave off her curse that is turning her into a demon. Uh, also, that is also uh, you buy her gifts and uh, you just chat with her and hang out with her, and you you have a little blossoming love uh, throughout the game. And if you didn't tell me that this was that I needed to do that, I would not have done that. <laughs> yeah, very very critical <laughs> to this game. Literally, yeah. if you do not do that, you cannot complete this game after a certain point. 
Yeah, you need to give them gifts. Um, so I played this game developed by Ganbarion. Um, the other things that Ganbarion published before this was um, a lot of anime stuff. <laughs> That's pretty much it. So they did like uh, Jump Superstars a game, Jump Ultimate Stars. They did a bunch of One Piece games. And even after this, they only did One Piece. They did a Dragon Ball game. Um, nothing really of note. They did, Aside from they co-developed with Nintendo, We Fit You. Oh, so okay. the, the uh, Wii Fit that nobody played because it was on the um, Wii U, um, which also, it, I, and this was published in Japan by Nintendo, so they had a pretty good relationship mm-hmm. um, from what I understand. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, not, this is not a very of note developer. Um, I would say that this came out in 2013, April of 2013. In the which was in the U.S. It had already been out for yeah. a year or two in other territories, right? Like Japan, I think two, was two years. Two years, okay. 2011. Yeah. yeah. So it came out here six months after the Wii U came out. Yeah, when you put it like that, that's uh, that's really fucking late. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So just to put it into perspective for games that were coming out around the same time period, were like the Crudes, Prehistoric Party. We sing UK hits. There's like no big, big games that came out. There's like a Just Dance game that came out. Um, and after after this game, there's like this is this is the I guess Rodea Sky Soldier came out for the Wii, which was a notable game because it was made by a famous developer. I forget what his name was. Um, but yeah, so there was like that game came out on the Wii, but that was more of a Wii U game at the time, even. So. Yeah, I would say this is uh, obviously not the last Wii game because I think they did uh, Just Dance for the Wii until like 2019, I think. But yeah, uh, yeah, no, yeah. Rodea Sky Soldier came out in 2015. So. Yeah, definitely one of the final of the few, like last big uh, North American Wii releases, probably. Yeah, so this was part of Operation Rainfall, which also brought to the U.S. Xenoblade Chronicles and the Last Story before this game. Um, and it was kind of like, I think a lot of fans were seeing that there was a ton of RPGs and cool Japanese games that weren't being localized. So there was a fan campaign to bring those games to North America. Um, this game, Pandora's Tower, originally came out in PAL regions, so Europe. Right. Um, but it never came out in North America. I think uh, those, I think those, the correct, so the other two Operation Rainfall games were The Last Story and, yeah, Xenoblade, Xenoblade Chronicles, as you just said. I think... I, there was, like, criteria to Operation Rainfall, and one of the criteria was that the game was going to come out in the PAL region, so that it was already starting to be localized to English. Mm. And also yeah. that they put a self-imposed 18-month deadline on, on this fan campaign, uh, so that if they did not succeed in getting Nintendo to commit to releasing these games by the release of the Wii U, they would have ended the campaign. Right. Um this is probably, from, from looking at critical reviews, this is probably the worst of the Operation Rainfall games. Even though this game, is, I don't think, is bad by any means. It's just people have much higher regard for Xenoblade Chronicles than for Last Story. Yeah, I would like to play the other... I mean, I, I like how these games are called like, the Operation Rainfall trilogy, even though like, they're all developed and published by all different companies that have no real relation to each other. But uh, they're all... The three are always like, lumped together now. And... Um, I would like to play the other two games, but Last Story is, like, super expensive to, well, to get. Well, I'm, I'm just looking it up right now, and it's going for 68 bucks on, oh, on eBay. It's had a, little, had a little bit of a price come down. 
Yeah, it's come down a little bit. I think it, at its high it was like 80, yeah. 90, something like that. Xenoblade Chronicles is um, fairly cheap. I think that's usually kind it's of also hovering on, around like the $20, $30 range. It's also on the Switch, so... That game used to be hella expensive back in the day. Yeah. Um, so before it was out on the Switch, it went for uh, $100, $110. Hmm. So now it goes for about $24 complete, which is crazy. But that's a game I'd like to play someday. I played Xenoblade Chronicles X. I never played Xenoblade Chronicles. And I played 30 hours of it, and it was like a 60-hour game, and I was like, I've had enough. <laughs> yeah, I haven't played any, but I heard Chronicles is supposed to be really like highly regarded uh, in, that, in that franchise. Well, someday when you get a Wii U, um, and I know you will get a Wii U because you're you at some point. <laughs> um, we'll play Xenoblade Chronicles X together, and we'll see how that goes. Well, there you go. Uh, um, but yeah, released in, so in North America in 2013, just to put it in perspective, that's the same year as Last of Us, Bioshock, Grand Theft Auto V, uh, Assassin's Creed, uh, Black Flag, and the Tomb Raider revival. So this is what it's competing with. It's just <laughs> a little bit different types of quality games. But yeah, so um, what's the story here? So what's... What's your girlfriend's name? It's Aaron and... Elena! The Elena, yes. Thank you. Blanked on that. Because I actually haven't played this game uh, in like six months. Uh, and I let you borrow it to play it several months ago. But uh, yes. So Aaron and Elena are... Um, they're not secretly in love. But yeah, like they, are, they are a growing relationship. And uh, Elena is stricken with a curse at uh, her kingdom's fair or festival or whatever is going on. And you and she starts to turn into a monster. And uh, Aaron and uh, her, whose name I already blanked on again, are rescued by uh, this, this woman named Bavda, who is carrying around her, I don't know, ghoulish-looking uh, husband? Husband? Or whatever. Like, that, she's know. the best part of the game, by the way. Yeah. Her design. She's got, like, this, this skeleton boy on her back. Um, and you should Google Mavda and what she looks like. Yeah. And, like, he talks occasionally, but he talks like... Yeah. So uh, he, he uh, she rescues uh, our two heroes, and uh, she takes them to, like, a remote uh, hideaway at this place called The Scar, and basically says that, like, you got to feed uh, your girlfriend Beast Flesh to reverse the curse, and you have to kind of keep doing it because if too much time goes by, uh, she is going to ultimately turn into a monster. And essentially where the... The very shadow, very much the shadow of Colossus influence comes in, is that there are twelve uh, masters you have to defeat in each of these twelve towers, and uh, and you kind of start to unravel the story that like they're actually like those monsters are actually kind of like uh, engineered uh, creatures that were kind of um, made by like kind of like a, an old like Mobda's old society, and it's like they were like experimenting on. Uh, uh, doing experiments with like people to kind of essentially kind of create these like bio weapons, which I thought was like a nice little, um, you know, an element that you don't usually get. It's sort of kind of like fantasy setting where it's almost like this, like where bioengineering that part gave me like resident evil vibes. And I feel like, like the little pieces of lore you pick up uh, along the way gave me like resident evil vibes and the way they kind of use like this, like little flavor text and like notes and stuff like that to kind of fill in this, this backstory. Yeah, I enjoy. I I overall thought the story was pretty good. Um, Mavda gives Aaron the Araklos chains, which are the chains you use in this game to whip things, or not whip things, but grab hold of things and like pull out flesh. Um, 
But yeah, so she gives that weapon to them, which is part of her society, which is Ios. Uh, so, yeah. Um, and then you go off and you have to defeat these uh, 13 masters in the 13 towers that are, that is this, this like group of buildings that are hovering over a cataclysm called the Scar, the Scar which are yeah. all tied, tied together in a, uh, by these like cha- other chains, which are, I'm assuming, made by the a- Ios, those people previously. Um, and it's not really explained what happened. I think it is, maybe it's explained what happened with the Scar. But uh, vaguely, at some point, I'm trying to remember. It's been that part of the story I had kind of forgotten over like, the last like six months. But um, what I do yeah. know is that the chains are the chains and the towers are essentially holding the world together. Because <laughs> if they didn't exist, then that would then the world would fall apart or something like that, or or like demons would rise out from yeah. the ground. Yeah, I think that, I think that's it. it's keeping the demons in. I think. <clears throat> Yeah, so my entire time playing this game, I was like, oh, so Mavda's going to be the bad guy, right, at the end? Because she's, like, making you do this thing where you're going to get these beast flesh. And then they didn't do it, and I was like, oh, that's kind of disappointing. So there, there, is, t- there is one ending where she sells you out to the Empire. Uh, it's like, oh, really? It's, like, really the worst ending. So there's six endings in the game. And um, there are two or three, like, really, really bad ones. And one of them has, like, Mavda, like, selling you out to the Empire. And uh, and your girlfriend does turn into a monster at that point. She like ultimately flies away and then like leads like a demon army like against uh, against the rest of the world. Oh, well, that's fun. But yeah, so the the whole thing about this game is that essentially it's you have your home base, which is the observatory, and then you go to thirteen different dungeons, and the dungeons are just like straight up quasi Zelda clones. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I would say overall less interesting than Zelda stuff, um, especially since after you go through the first, I think, six, then they repeat themselves. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the mechanics kind of dry. That's that's kind of one thing that was uh, a little bit of a bummer about the game is that uh, the first, yeah, half a dozen towers or so like feel like really cool and unique, and then you just kind of feel like you're just uh, kind of rehashing the same old puzzles and mechanics. But I think... Yeah, because... There's like a water themed one, there's an earth themed one, fire, a metal themed one, and I forget what the other one is, but there's five and then they repeat themselves over again. Mm. And I think I I think one of the the big things about this game and you know, I think from like when we were talking like offline, probably something that stressed you out as we've kind of alluded to is that if you don't like you have like a timer essentially that you have to keep going back and like feeding the the monster flesh to your girlfriend. So like you have to like you're not going to go beat a tower, like, essentially in one go. You're probably going to have to leave at some point, go back, and uh, feed the monster flesh to reset the clock. And I can see that being, like, a really uh, stressful dynamic if you yes. don't... You know, I liked it because I felt like it gave tension to more otherwise, like, not very hard dungeons. And I felt yeah. like that, like, gave me, like, something to... I, I shouldn't say make the game difficult, but definitely gave me, like... I was like, without that, it would have been super easy. And I think with that, it gave me, like, some tension, which I enjoyed. But I could also see someone not enjoying it because, like, that's a stressful dynamic. Yeah, I don't know how long... How long is the full timer? Is it 30 minutes or something like that? Um, it feels like know. it's, like, 30 it's, or 40 I don't minutes. I don't think it's that long. The full, Oh, the full timer? I guess I never really yeah. let it get down super low. So I was, like, basically... Oh, I, was basically I, I failed. Like, I... 
I got a game over one time. Oh, did you? <laughs> yeah, I got that. I got the cutscene where if you don't go, if you go back, she turns into a monster, and like, you don't know that you like if it's so close that you don't know if you get there if you got there on time. Mm-hmm. You could you give her the flesh and she eats it and she just turns into a monster. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I never, I never got to that spot because like I didn't even like want to like accidentally get a game over, even though I could just you know pick up where I left off. So I I was always kind of doing each tower like in 15 20 minute chunks basically. Yeah. To go I, back I and to I, go back and feed chunks. I hated that part specifically. If that on its own is fine, I don't really like it. The one thing I'll give you credit for is that give the people the developers credit for is that they designed most of the dungeons such that if you make a substantial amount of progress You'll have an easier path back. You can like open up a shortcut, right. essentially, right. like a Dark Souls style sh- shortcut where you can go back and easily feed uh, your girlfriend beast flesh. Um, which I thought also that whole thing. I was like, is this like an allegory for like vegetarianism? At some point, and I was like, nope, they never went there either. Yeah, it's like well, all these things. Yeah. <laughs> it's like all these things where they're like, uh, is this like? Oh, she's like, I never. She's like, because they talk about in some of the backstory how everybody's a vegetarian. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot. Oh, everyone in the royal family or the royal yeah. bloodline that she's part of. Yeah, and then yeah. there's like also like a point too that's like just also kind of dropped is that like at some point she starts to like enjoy enjoying to eat the flesh like and she starts getting like you know like really fucking into it while she's eating the flesh. And, yeah, like uh, really into it. <laughs> yeah, and then that's kind of just uh, and that's like I feel like I was like a red herring to go like it was like yeah to like you said like is Mavda actually like the bad guy here like because right is she just turning her into the monster that she's supposed to come with all this yeah so they have the the shortcuts but what, the thing that annoyed me was there are some dungeons where it's just there's just no shortcut like the last the two two dungeons at the end are there's no shortcut and then also like once you get to the final boss a lot of those are just designed to be time sucks the bosses yeah. 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 But I think, um, I don't know, I didn't have an issue with timing. I actually liked the bosses the best in this game because I didn't oh, yeah, enjoy them they're, being like. They're know, the best cool part of this game. They're cool little puzzles, basically. They're all unique. So you have like, um, I'm trying to like remember, there's like guys that fly. There's the last boss, which is probably the coolest boss, is there's two bosses and you have to get them to weaken each other. Oh, yeah. By doing stuff. And then you have to, all of them you have to pull out this orb or get your chain into it and like charge it up and pull it out, which I, at the very beginning of this game, they didn't do a good job of introducing the mechanic where you can charge up and pull out for like massive damage. Right. Right. But it's very satisfying when you do do it though. (laughs) When you do do it, it's very satisfying. Um, but there, I, I liked to like, there was one that was like, you had to, uh, like open up, um, these like doors that were on the bottom of it. Yeah. That was my favorite. That one was my favorite one. was pretty cool. There was one that had, like, the ball that was... It was a circle. The boss was a circle, a, a like, cylinder-shaped thing. And then the ball would, like, go in different mm, patterns yeah. around it, like a maze. And I thought that... I was like, that was pretty cool. Um, and then some of them... There was also, like, a tur- turtle one where you had to get on its back and then get the uh, get the thing off it. It had, like, a platform. The one that I body. hated was the bug one that you had to, like, chain, and then you had to chain it to, like, another pillar. And then, like, it was mm. keep trying, it kept trying to go back to like to the sunlight to like re- re- replenish itself. That one I hated with a passion. Th- that one was the easiest one for me. Oh I my think. god, that was like, 
I was like, I was like, this sucks. This is like, <laughs> for whatever reason, that was just didn't 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 click with me. But yeah. But the, the thing about it being a time suck was they have like massive health and they the time the window for you to charge up your chain to full and pull it out is like so small on all the bosses and because they're like throwing random shit at you all the time. It's like, God damn it! I just stop throwing shit at me. I just want to pull this thing out. Yeah, you yeah, often like find too that's like. Yeah, they're throwing shit at you. Like, I was like, sometimes I would struggle and go like, I'm like, oh man, like I'm trying to like roll and dodge and do this other stuff. But I found if I actually just kind of like walked and pulled the chain really slowly, I could probably yeah. do a much better job navigating the projectiles they're throwing at me. Yeah, this game. Feels good though when you get that, when you <laughs> yank it right out though. It's, it was like, a, that was like a mechanic I was like very satisfied with. I liked the chain. The chain was like fun for me in this game. I just, I... Overall, I just hate motion controls with a passion. I've <laughs> just since discovered over the course of the past four games that we've played. <laughs> um, this is probably the least annoying out of all of them. Although, uh, Muramasa didn't really have motion control. So. Right. Um, but yeah, we didn't touch on it. So this is also a dating sim, sort of. Yeah. And the reason why they make you go back is because you need to give Elena a bunch of gifts. Um, and why? There's no, like real reason for it it's, it's just to get a better ending you well, have she's, to give her you know she's dealing with a really shitty situation and you you know you're trying to keep her spirits up it's just very weird to throw that into this <laughs> game there's like there's a certain point i think it's like the eighth tower if you don't don't have your affinity with her if you haven't given her enough gifts then you can't she just kills you mm -hmm. and then um if there's like uh, there's like a score of like one to, to, to ten to based upon how many gifts you've given her. And you have to get to a nine to get the best ending. Right. It's like almost impossible to get the best ending from what I've seen from people talking about this game. So I think I think what the trick is to get the best ending is that um, you can go back to the towers even after you clear them. And if you go at night, like there's like more exclusive items that only appear at night. And uh, oh. you can craft like really... You don't have to do it a lot. From what I've seen, it's like... I didn't do this, but I watched like a playthrough of it because I didn't get the best ending. I got the the second to best ending, which which you also got. And um, you know what I saw like the the person who did the playthrough like they pretty much just like went to a handful of towers towards the end of the game, got some of those like exclusive items, and then just crafted a couple of new items and like that just put them right over the top. So yeah, so the endings are there's one where um, she sacrifices herself. Uh, in the end, and um, you you live, but the world is saved because she's going to turn into like the whole ending is that she's going to turn into this like gigantic god creature if you don't do something about it. Um, and then you have to fight her because she's the final boss. Um, but the best ending is you live together and you both survive, right? Well, yeah. So, well, the ones where she sacrifices herself is one where she sacrifices herself to close the scar. There's uh, the one that you and I got where you jump off together and Romeo and Juliet it up to uh, close the scar. And then, yeah, then there's one where, like, it's just the happy ending where the curse is lifted and, uh, yes, you live happily. Mavda closes the seal. Got it. And so this is the game. A um, couple, th couple things that I was in my research of this game, my, my research today. Um, there was a controversy in Japan when this game came out because... Uh, Aaron was on the cover, and he looked very much like Noctis Lucian, Lucius Kylum from uh, Final Fantasy Versus Thirteen, 
at the time, but it would be going on to be Final Fantasy 15. I mean, he also kind of looks like Titus from like Final Fantasy 10 too. I mean, me. <laughs> uh, no, he, he doesn't look like Titus. You know, blonde, it's also t- it's blonde spiky haired. Oh, whatever. Game sucks. <laughs> blonde, uh, spiky haired, haired uh, hero in an RPG. They all kind of, they're all kind of interchangeable. Hey, or what is the <laughs> Titus? Uh, the laugh line. Um, yes. Uh, there's also a there's a pretty common glitch, I guess, that's only in the North American version of this game. Which happened where, to me. But go ahead. <laughs> you, it, it happened to you, yeah. where you can't get into the Dawn Tower. Yeah. At the end. Yeah. How did you get around it? Um, I think it was I had to re-enter. I had to go to any other tower first, and oh. then you get around it. It's really weird because I get because the, the, we didn't touch on this, but the final two towers are like one tower, but you go between them because there's like a, a night tower and a day tower. Right. And they both are like the same tower, but have different features taken out, which was pretty interesting. And that was one of the more interesting thing dungeons, or probably the most interesting dungeon in this game. The rest of the dungeons were pretty, like, pretty tepid. Yeah. <laughs> Just like yeah. go go on this linear path. Yeah, pretty much. Are making for you. Um, I, I did like some of the things in this game, like the the like industrial towers. I think they call them the metal towers or whatever. Those ones where you have to like pull out um, the surfaces right. that are like um, pistons, essentially. Uh, those were pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I think the towers were kind of blah overall. Um, I think just the the aesthetic overall was pretty blah in this game, except for maybe the character designs were okay. Monster designs were also blah, but the master master designs were pretty cool. I liked um, um, that like Elena had like a routine back at like your home base, like depend like because you can sleep for like chunks of time. And it's like she's doing yeah. different things and. Well, did you know that the gifts that you give her affect her routine? Yeah, because like if you do more, like she'll be like in the garden, like dealing with the plants, or like you know she'll be sewing right. stuff, or like. You know, you also get cutscenes if you wake up around breakfast or like lunchtime, and she's like making food, and you know, you get cutscenes yep. for that. And so, but that was cool. Like, you know, she has like a routine that kind of changes up a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think we should get into our ranking conversation here. Um, but yeah, so a couple things about this game: seventy-three Metacritic score, so not lighting the world on fire, but still a pretty good score. I did not sell well at all, which is probably reflected in the price. Uh, it was really poorly sold. Um, and again, probably has to do with the fact it came out six months after the Wii U came out. Mm. So, um, I wonder if it did better on the virtual console on the Wii U, because it ultimately came out on that, I think. Did it? Yeah. And so I, I wonder <laughs> if it did. I think it was like later in like the Wii U's virtual console life. Um, so I wonder if like it did better on that. I'm going to say no. <laughs> <laughs> But I do not have any facts to back that up. Um, yeah. So where does this go on our endless list? And just as a starting point, we do have Muramasa the Demon Blade at 90. And I enjoyed that game. I thought it was very monotonous, though, um, in terms of what you were doing. Um, I thought the story in that game was a little better. Cool art style, and it was neat. I'll say that. But I think overall, I think that... Pandora's Tower is better game than this. Than yeah, Muramasa. I was thinking this is somewhere between Muramasa and um, uh, Crystalis, which are like I think are two kind of comparable, well, closest things we get to uh, comparable RPGs and that sort of action RPGs in that sort of area of our yeah. list. 
Um, yeah, I agree. I think while Veramas is like a very like pretty looking game, it's um, it is ultimately like a at the end of the day, it's like a pretty tedious like hack and slash. And you know, like, well, I feel like with Pandora's Tower, it's going to be one of those things that if you are interested in playing this game, like maybe watch some gameplay videos because there are some choices here that uh, that if they don't work for you, you're not going to enjoy this game. And it's like not yeah. you know if you don't enjoy that stressful timer. Uh, <laughs> mechanic like that's gonna ruin timer the game. Sucks. For you. Yeah, or I, the timer. <laughs> I I personally don't think that this game is better than for me. Like, and obviously it's probably gonna go higher for you, but I don't think this game is better than Theme Hospital for me. Oh, the, well, like Theme Hospital and everyone's going to the Rapture, Hexen. These are all games I haven't played. I don't know. Now, actually, you played Super Off Road. Is this game a better <laughs> game than Super Off Road? Um. I mean, Super Off Road is better if you're playing with like four people. <laughs> um, yeah, I love I love that game. So, but uh, you know, well, it I starts think getting it's... really hard once you get to Super Off Road for me because like Crazy Taxi, I really liked Robotron Twenty Eighty Four. I really like. Yeah, I think uh, I think there's... I would like rather play Spider Man Two than this game. I think uh, yeah. Well, I was not actually. I personally was probably going to go above Yara's Revenge or Spider Man Two. So I think I think it's fair to put it uh, right with like right below Super Off Road. Again, never having played play Hexen, I have no idea anything about Hexen. So, all right, we can put it at eighty-four. I can see that it's a good compromise. Yeah. We have a new number eighty-four on our podcast. It is Pandora's Tower for the Wii, a, a twenty thirteen North American release game. And yes, we will be back next week with another episode. We didn't mention it. <laughs> Start. It's RPG month. Silly. This is RPG Month. We're yeah. doing RPG Month here on the podcast. So we just did Pandora's Tower. And next week, what game will we be, at, will we be adding to the Endless List, Chris? So we'll be doing the original Suikoden. Get your hate mail ready to go. Hate mail for Suikoden? <laughs> is it really? Suikoden or Suikoden? I, always, I think it's Suikoden. I always say Suikoden. But, uh, yes, um, Suikoden 1, not Suikoden yes, 2. Yes. Suikoden 1. Let's be very clear. This is not number 2. <laughs> I wanted to do it in order to see how they were different. And also, if I, I know there's some backstory um, for 2 that's in 1. So, Well, how, now having uh, played 1 and 2, I was like, oh my god. It was like, I think half these characters return in 2. It's like, yeah, I think a lot of them do. There's I think really you, a lot more than I expected. Even your main character in that game, the hero, is a secret character in two. Yeah, so. a lot, a lot of characters uh, crossing over from one to two. Way more than I expected. All right, well, check out that conversation next week on the podcast. But yes, I want to thank you, Chris, for joining me this week. Hey, anytime. And we will be back next week. <laughs> <laughs>